short story. It makes all the difference. As far as I was concerned, the whole world was on a fast train headed for destruction, and I didn't want to watch. Humanity might party on the way, but the crash wouldn't be pretty. It would be painful, very painful. I couldn't think about it. So I did the next best thing. I invited myself over to my sister's place in the country. She has one of those mini farms with cute domesticated animals, a huge garden, fruit trees, and a stack of firewood enough to make Paul Bunyan envious. And yes, they and their assorted young'uns eat bacon, eggs, and pancakes with homemade maple syrup every Saturday morning. I got there on Friday night, just to be on the safe side. Right off the bat, Leslie laughed at me. I carried a cup of herbal tea to the counter, pulled up a wooden stool, and harumphed. Hey, I'm being serious. The planet is being poisoned beyond repair. We'll likely nuke ourselves soon. And then aliens will decipher one of our stupid transmissions and figure that we really ought to be decimated just to end the drama. With complete indifference to my dismal prognostications, Leslie sloshed her hands into a sink of dirty dishes, steaming water, and soapy bubbles. You need to lighten up. Tonight you can bunk with the girls. They don't snore much. In the morning, we'll all eat a healthy breakfast, and then, while I brandish a chair and whip to keep the kids from following, you can take a long, rambling walk in the woods. After that, I'll put you to work helping me clean the basement. We'll play a rousing soccer game. Afterward, go to mass, and by evening, Jasper will join us for a family feud ping-pong tournament. By Sunday, you'll be a new person. Heck, I thought, by Sunday, it won't matter where the world is heading. I'll be dead. True to her word, the curls didn't snore much. With careful placed pillows smashed against my skull, I managed to fall into a deep sleep in the wee hours of the morning. When Leslie clanged the outdoor bell, calling her screaming kids and a much-too-happy husband to the breakfast table, I managed to stumble down the stairs with a modicum of composure. The fact that I felt like roadkill didn't seem to dampen anyone's spirits. But a glorious breakfast and a strong cup of coffee worked a miracle. For the first time in days, I actually felt glad to be human. With Jasper's assistance, Leslie managed to hold the kids back while I made my escape, and I practically skipped across the cow pasture, carefully sidestepping unmentionables, into the woods. A fun, fantasy escape just for me. Except it wasn't. Deer inhabited the woods and terrorized my thumping heart into regions it did not honestly belong. Stupid deer. Who knew such innocent creatures could look so darn ferocious up close and personal? Brandishing my water bottle, I backed up toward the old Tobin place and decided to investigate the ancient ruins dating back at least, well, fifty years? It was a squirrel 
that ruined everything. That little scoundrel scurried into a hidey hole by the back entrance, enticing me to follow, when I suddenly felt my footing give way. After I found myself flat on my back at the bottom of a muddy brick line, thank God not full well, I said words I'm glad my nieces and nephews weren't around to hear. Then I tried to sit up and found that I couldn't. I tried to breathe instead. That accomplished, I felt a tiny bit better, but I was still on my back at the bottom of a well far from human habitation. Even if I could yell, no one was around to hear me. Well, I figured, no use straining myself. Just lie still and wait for someone to rescue me. Did I mention I was feeling a little depressed before I fell down the well? By the time the sun set, I was suicidal and really hungry. As the stars flickered on one by one, I knew they don't actually flicker on, but I was practically hallucinating at that point, so I wasn't picky on the details. I wiped what I was certain would be my last tears off my face. I discovered that if I tilted my head just so, I could see more stars than I'd ever seen in my life. The Big Dipper shone in splendor, and since I'd never been one to stop and stargaze, I was rather amazed it actually existed. I'd heard of it, of course, but I'd never stopped to actually see it, outside the kids' picture books, anyways. It took my breath away. At that moment, I was glad I had breath to take away. Then something ran across my hand. I shrieked and sat up. I'm sure I surprised whatever it was that scurried into the blackness. But even more, I amazed myself. I had been convinced that I was broken beyond repair. Apparently not. Did you know that stars actually move? That the sky turns? That you can see the universe? from the bottom of a well? When I heard voices calling my name, I winced. Part of me was ready to kiss the first person that pulled me out of the hole. But part of me felt a pang of regret. It was like I had made friends with some unseen universal force that sat with me, glimmered and danced before my eyes, silent yet speaking of wonders I could barely grasp. Turned out it was a nice fireman who helped me out of the hole, and yes, I did kiss him on the cheek. My sister hugged me so tight, I knew that if I hadn't broken a rib in the fall, I broke one then, but I didn't care. I was alive. I could breathe. And I had seen the stars for the first time in my life. As I now stand on my apartment balcony, remembering snoring kids, bacon and egg breakfast, rambling woods and scary deer, I can't help but stare up at the faint night sky. I can't see the stars like I did at my sister's place, but I know they are there. And it makes all the difference.
A.K. Frehley is the author of 15 books, a teacher for 35 years, and a homeschooling mother of eight. Make the most of life's journey. For books by A.K. Frehley, check out her Amazon author page.